mercy and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We're continuing our walk through the, uh, it's called the Gospel of Isaiah. And uh, it is an incredible book. Uh, one of the, I would say, the best written books uh, in all the Bible. Uh, the, the poetry, the imagery, uh, the style of writing, the craftsmanship of Isaiah is absolutely phenomenal and beyond compare in all ancient literature, uh, even outside the biblical sources. It's a beautifully written book. It has beautiful images. And today's reading is a, is a bit odd. It's, um, it's a Shakespearean comedy in reverse. How many of you still read Shakespeare? Like, willingly. Yeah, that, that's why, yeah, yeah, I don't really read too much either. But, I've been told that a Shakespearean comedy is something that starts out bad and ends up good. And a Shakespearean tragedy is something that starts out good but ends bad. Our text for today is a comedy. Things are bad, but they end up good. It's just hard to tell because the good stuff is in the beginning, but it's all future tense. Isaiah writes this. He says, The mountain of the Lord's temple will be established. It will be raised above the hills, and all nations, and this is beautiful, will stream to it. In those days, temples or places of worship or sacrifice were often placed on the highest hill in the region. And if you wanted to go worship, you would look around, where's the little top, little top, oh, there, you can walk there, sure enough, there might be a place of worship or sacrifice on that hilltop. Jerusalem's different. Uh, how many of you have actually been to Jerusalem? If you, if you haven't, I highly recommend it. In the words of Ferris Bueller, if you have the means, I highly recommend it. <laughs> because Jerusalem's this incredible city. But it's not on a huge mountaintop. In fact, Mount of Olives, where Jesus goes to, where he's betrayed by Judas, is actually much taller than the town of Jerusalem. And from the top of Mount of Olives, you can look down on Jerusalem into the Temple Mount area. But Isaiah gives a different image. He gives an image of the Temple Mount being raised up so that it's the highest one in the area. And all nations, people from every culture, tribe, and language, will stream, will flow uphill to the temple to worship God. <coughs> a great image. Can you imagine a river flowing uphill? And that's the image of Isaiah presents of that day. On that day, at that time, on that final day, all people from everywhere uh, worship will be like the World Cup. There will be people from everywhere, from every language. You'll hear multiple languages all around you. Everyone praising God. At the same time, together. Isn't that beautiful? Absolutely gorgeous. And that's the image that Isaiah gives us in the scripture today. But it gets better. This is an image of absolute peace. Absolute peace. Can you imagine? There'll be so much peace, 
so much good relationships that people will take their spears and they'll turn, turn them into instruments of tilling the soil. Peace between families. Peace between neighbors. Peace between nations. Peace between all peoples and languages and cultures and tribes everywhere. Now that, friends, is a beautiful image. So how do we get there? What will make this future reality, future vision, the present reality? And Isaiah steps into what, don't, what won't work, what actually will not work. He says this in his verse 5, 6. You, Lord, have abandoned your people, present tense, the descendants of Jacob. They are full of superstitions from the east. They practice divination like the Philistines and embrace pagan customs. When we read that, it's easy to engage in what C.S. Lewis called chronological snobbery. And that's to say, oh, those people were so dumb back then. They were, they were just fools. They, they would take idols made of gold or, or iron or copper, even wood, and they, they would carve them out and make these images and pray and worship these images. How foolish. How stupid. And yet, they would make these images represent what they were really worshiping. And they worshiped it because they thought it worked. And my friends, we're no different today. Why do we worship idols today? It's because we believe they'll work. And the idol may not be a little piece of gold or an image in your living room. But the idols back then are the same idols we have today. It's money, pride, success. My friends, deep down, they're cold in the core of our souls. We're all like the wife and shack, pulling out the golf club. Oh, bitty, 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 bitty. Oh, bitty, bitty, bitty. We've never failed. And those are our idols. came across my own idol this past Friday night. See, there was a basketball game. And my daughter was playing. And we were playing the hated rival. And I won't go into backstory, but there's been stuff that this other team's crowd and fans have done that just have been below subpar. Let's just put it that way, right? And there's some teams you want to beat, and there's some teams you have to beat. Right? And this is one of those teams. I mean, man. And so I'm, I'm the timekeeper for this game. And uh, it sounds like an easy job, but it's not, because people are yelling like crazy. I mean, this is a 2A girls basketball game. And there are four-letter words being thrown out from fans on the other side. And I was watching the game. And I'm at the timekeeper's table so I can see the benches, the benches, the benches. And this one girl on the opposing team got two quick fouls. So she's got to come out of the game. And the coach meets this girl before she gets off the court. 
not like coaching yelling, but almost verbal abuse, not almost, verbal abuse yelling. I'm thinking, oh man, we gotta get these guys. We gotta stick it to this guy. Because he deserves it. This guy deserves it. At halftime, it got worse. And I'm not even watching this coach and thinking, if I'm that girl's dad, I'm furious right now. Found out later, the coach was the girl's dad. <laughs> I'm thinking, what's worse? I'm not sure.
there. People go on, oh, things are okay. They're pretty good, actually. Thanks for what you're offering, but I'm good. I don't need it. I'm good. For all that gold. See, Lord, there is. But you have it now, you have to see that. Lord of the Rings, the book, came out written by Tolkien in, in the 60s. And everyone had their theories about what the ring was, right? And in the 60s, they thought the ring symbolized the atomic bomb, or uh, the ring symbolized drugs. No, that was true. The ring symbolized anything you were to put your faith and trust in hope in. Whatever you found as a source of your identity and meaning and purpose in life, that was your idol, and that was your ring. Gollum clings to it. He won't give it up, even though it's killing him. Raymond Portland put it like this. He said, Tolkien understood the key to life. It's not only what we lay hold of, but also what we throw away. The Apostle Paul wrote, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. So what is the answer? Isaiah is. He wrote, Go into the rocks, hide from the ground in the fearful presence of the Lord, and the splendor of his majesty. The eyes of the arrogant will be humbled, the human pride brought low, and the Lord alone will be exalted on that day. Isaiah says the answer is this, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Let him lift you up. Which is really easy to say. It's really hard to do. It's really easy to say, Lord, how about, how about we kind of be equal? You and me, Lord. God, you're my co-pilot. God says, no. Humble yourselves. And what makes it easier is this. That Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, humbled himself for you. Paul put it this way in Philippians chapter 2. He wrote, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing of the Spirit, if you have any tenderness and compassion at all, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and with one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, humility. Value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Here's the key. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature God, not considering equality with God something to be grasped, but rather made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a slave, being made human likeness. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, and that death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus gave up everything to gain you. Jesus gave up everything 
that he might bring you back. That he might redeem you. That he might, by his very own blood, cover over your sin and mine. That he might, by his very own sacrifice, cover over your idols and mine. That we might be bought back and brought back to him. He humbled himself to the point of death. And that death on the cross. He invites you to lay down your arms. Lay him down. They never really worked anyway. Well, they worked for a short period of time. But long term, they always fall apart. They always fail. Every single time. As Augustine said, around the 4th century, our hearts are restless, O Lord, until we find rest in thee. By the grace of God, lay down your idols. We lay down your idols. You have those moments, those great times of peace in your life. Say, Lord God, I am at peace. I am at rest in you. And when that happens, Isaiah's future vision becomes a point of reality. People will come to you and say, how can you have such peace? They might even stream up to you. And you can say, because of Jesus, He loves me, the same He died upon a cross for me, and He rose to give me life now and always in His name. And I have all things in Christ, and I lack nothing. And one day, the pain the sorrow and the heartaches of this present age will be redeemed and abide him. And he will make me whole and his. And he will take my brokenness to bless those around me. And he will take my broken heart and heal it and make it his. And I am his. He is mine. My Savior. My Lord. My God. My Jesus. Jesus, our Lord, for life, for life.